News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Pete Callender here. Hour number three. 704-570-1110-1800 WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the Pete Show.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. Or as always, get the podcast. I mean, you can't participate live in the podcast, obviously, but you get it delivered right to your smartphone or tablet as soon as the hour gets posted. So um, go check that out. Go to the PeteCallenderShow.com. Super easy. Just click subscribe. It's totally free. No cost to you. Zilch. Nada. Kind of like what they found in Donald Trump's safe. All right. So a couple different things here I'm going to go over. Number one. Uh, sort of the the left's response to the right's response over the raid on Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago on Monday. It's been twenty four, or sorry, forty eight hours, two days now, and we still don't have any word from the Department of Justice about what they were looking for, what was the point of this, and nothing. And I submit that that only breeds suspicion. And it further undermines the credibility of the agency that uh, these agencies, I should say, all of them, uh, the intelligence community, it undermines their credibility further. So let me start with this piece at The Atlantic by Adam Sewer. Oh, sorry, Sir Ware, Sir Sirwer, Sirwer, S-E-R-W-E-R. Well, I mean, it is The Atlantic, so maybe I just... I'll just call him sewer. Oh, I'm kidding. Come on. now. All right. So the case against Trump here is impossible to evaluate because uh, we know the basis neither for the warrant nor the investigation. I agree. That is true. It's impossible to evaluate the case because we don't know anything about what it's about. Right. But we can kind of piece some stuff together based on reports. But we don't know. The headline here, by the way, is the Mar-a-Lago raid. Oh, wait, you called it a raid, sewer. You cannot call it a raid. No, it's it does not identify as a raid. We've been assured by leftists in the media now that it's not a raid. It was just the execution of a search warrant. It's completely law and order. They got it sworn by a judge, you know, like that FISA court thing with the P-tape. Right, all of that. See, it's totally above board. Come on. Um. So the certainty... That Trump is being politically persecuted. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to read the uh, rest of the headline. The Mar-a-Lago raid shows that conservatives believe Trump is above the law. Now, I do agree that I think there are some folks who think that Trump is above the law. I do believe that. I've heard them. I've seen them write about it. I, they don't want Trump prosecuted or or attacked for, like, literally anything. Um, but I also know there that on the other side... You've got people that think he's guilty of all of these things that have all been debunked. They've, I mean, they've, been, they've been trying to charge him with something for what now? Seven years? Six years? Right? Multiple impeachments. Multiple investigations. Right? Audits. All this stuff. They, you know, New York is today still going after him for, what was it, the Trump Foundation stuff? So they're constantly going after the guy. And he would say, I'm the most persecuted president ever. I disagree, but uh, only because I, you know, I rank people who got assassinated higher on that scale. Um, so this guy, Adam Sewer, 
says the certainty that Trump is being politically persecuted cannot be supported by evidence. It is instead based on ideology. There are people against whom law enforcement action or abuse is always justified, and there are people against whom it can never be justified. That is, if law enforcement officials want to murder an unarmed black man in the street, brutalize protesters against police misconduct, or want to uh, investigate a Democratic presidential candidate, conservatives will insist that such officers are infallible and that any criticism of their conduct is outrageous. But when the law is used to investigate or restrict the conduct of people deemed by conservatives to be above its prohibitions, that is, axiomatically, an abuse of power. That's why it's perfectly permissible for Trump to order his attorney general to prosecute his political opponents uh, to even campaign on that basis. But it's intolerable politicization for him to be investigated regardless of the basis. Look, there is some truth to this, by the way. I mean, Sewer is making this argument from the left. And so, of course, it's all, you know, conservative bad, Democrats always innocent. So, I mean, I understand the bias from which this comes. But there, there are people that I think are totally fine with Trump being able to abuse his political enemies for whatever reason. See, this is one of the things that I've, I've tried to hold fast to, and I understand this puts me at odds with some other folks who think that uh, I'm naive, I'm Pollyannish, uh, or that uh, like the, 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 the time for sort of my position has passed. We are too far gone. We have to have uh, you know people that are willing to fight, and uh, we have to abandon all norms in order to have the fight in order to win the fight, right? I, and I get that. But this is one of the reasons why I say uh, I want the investigations. I want more information. I said it with Hillary Clinton, and when I hear James Comey in that press conference and he outlines all the evidence and then says, yeah, but we're not going to recommend any charges, it's like, well, what was the point of all of this? And the left, by the way, believes that Jim Comey threw the election for Trump, or to Trump, I should say, that that... Comey did that in order to harm Hillary Clinton, right? The, and people on the right, we heard all of the, the litany of, char, uh, or of allegations and evidence and thought, well, of course you should charge her. And then he didn't, and so everybody took that to mean that he was in the tank for her. He says, uh, this is Adam Sewer again at The Atlantic. There's no need to know what the basis even is. It is by definition unjustified because of whom it targets. The reasoning is also why the police who defended the Capitol against the riots or the rioters on January 6th were assaulted by people who in any other context would chant blue lives matter. Law enforcement is legitimate and deserving of unconditional support only as long as it enforces the law against groups that conservatives want it to target and exempts those they do not. See, this is an oversimplification, and he's attempting to smear all conservatives, everybody on the right, based on Trump. But here's the problem with this analysis, quote-unquote, is that Donald Trump was, in fact, falsely accused by these very same people in these very same agencies for very much the same reasons as we are now seeing in the wake of the the raid, not a raid, the trans raid, right? We're seeing it. We saw it. We're seeing it now. And so trick me once, shame on you. Trick me twice, as George Bush said, you're not going to trick me again, right? Like this, 
this is this is a decision. This is a response that is born out of experience. Trump, ironically, has con- uh, has continually received favorable treatment from the FBI. That's the, this is what these guys believe. They think Donald Trump has gotten favorable treatment. During the 2016 election, he talks about how the Trump campaign was aided by Jim Comey. Um, to, to Clinton, uh, to Hillary Clinton, while the Bureau denied to the press that the Trump campaign was being investigated for coordinating with a Russian effort to influence the election. Right, which we, they, they, still, they still believe that. This is a writer for The Atlantic that still believes that that, that was anything other than fable. Comey refused to reassure Trump that the president would be above the law, so Trump fired him and handpicked his replacement. Right, because Trump knew that this stuff was not true. He wanted Comey to go out and say, this is not true. And Comey knew it wasn't true. They all knew it wasn't true, and he wouldn't go out and say it. So Trump fired him. Oh, and I'm supposed to, and I'm supposed to be mad at that? I'm supposed to be upset about that. Why would I be upset about that? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Email from Paul, who says, Pete, I am more concerned about the precedent of this raid. It changes the fabric of our country. Um, I think that's, I think that is a valid concern. It does change. Because if you think, again, the other team gets an at-bat. If you don't, if you don't think that Republicans are going to use these levers of power against their political enemies, you're nuts. Of course they are. This is the problem, right? This is the problem. When you start down this path of abandoning norms, then the other guys do too, and then we don't have any of those norms. Now, maybe you can make a case where, you know what, we, yeah, sure, we should be totally raiding the homes of every former president. That should be just standard. Um, And maybe this also, every president should always be facing impeachment. How about that? Right? Do you think that may increase accountability? Maybe people act a little bit better if they know they're going to be, you know, up for impeachment or prosecution constantly. I'm sure we'll only get the best candidates, right? I'm sure. <laughs> also, what happens then is that you um, you create incentives for covering up. You create you create incentives for even worse behavior because now there's so much at stake. You can't lose because if you lose. Right. You're going to go to prison. Um, proper protocol. Oh, so Kevin says, Pete, um, preserving government documents. The, obviously, the proper protocol is to delete all of the emails uh, and then smash all of the phones with hammers. That's the right, I thought that was the uh, right. see. The, and look, many a truth is said in jest. These are jokes, but they're jokes because and they work. Uh, mainly because of the rim shot, but also because there's an element of truth to them. That's what makes comedy comedy, is that there has to be some element of truth that you're highlighting with absurdity. And the truth is that this has been standard operating procedure for Democrats and bureaucrats for years. For years. A decade. More than a decade. 
Wasn't it Lois Lerner and her crew that smashed all of their cell phones? Come on. You can't. You don't get you don't get to engage in that kind of behavior and then cry foul when the other folks do, too. Uh, Joseph says uh, unsavory organizations uh, com- it is a response to my comment about <laughs> the unsavory organizations uh, that uh, Trump must have had you know dealings with, uh, obviously, being a builder in New York. I know from what I speak uh, or about what I speak. Of. And uh, he says, like, Biden doesn't have ties to unsavory organizations after being in government for longer than I've been alive. I would take the mob over the FBI, DOJ any day. Um, see, th- see, this is the thing. I don't have to pick. I don't have to choose. I can say, yeah, he's got unsavory connections as well. All right, let me jump over here and get uh, Steve. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? So I think one, uh, one theory I haven't heard yet is that uh, one of the reasons for this launch is to encourage uh, Trump to run uh, and go ahead and get him committed to running, because this is certainly going to challenge his legacy, mm-hmm. and I would think he'd want to do that. And there's nobody more unfavorable than, uh, than Joe Biden except for Donald Trump. And there's a lot of Republicans. This would motivate the Democrat base to go out and vote against Trump. And there's a lot of Republicans that would stay home because they are tired and fed up with Trump. So to me, it's a win-win. So why do it before the? But why do it before the midterms? Because uh, the 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 liberals uh, and that wing is in serious trouble. They're going to lose the house and they don't have a lot of energy, mm-hmm. you get Trump in there and you increase the energy uh, against Trump. So the there were calls wow. for Trump to come out and uh, and declare his candidacy to do it now. Um, mm-hmm. And but those calls were coming from the right, as I saw it. Right. And so it will but it will motivate some of the base mm-hmm. uh, to come out and vote against Trump and cloud some of the Republican message considerably mm. because it becomes all about Trump if he comes out early, if he comes out before the 22 election. Right. Interesting theory, Steve. Interesting theory. We shall see. We mm-hmm. shall. All right. I appreciate the call. Time. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple other theories as well. That's that's an interesting theory. I don't know. And the longer they the longer the DOJ doesn't say anything, the more these theories are going to percolate. Oh, yeah. Also, the guy in charge of the Washington FBI office was also the head of the Michigan FBI office during the Whitmer kidnapping thing. But I'm sure this has nothing to do with anything. Sure, it's all just coincidence. So there is one theory we hear that this was done to uh, to motivate the left wing base ahead of the election. I think Steve uh, laid out that case. Here's a here's another theory. This comes from Matt Margulis at PJ Media. Um. He quotes Cash Patel, a former top Trump administration official who told Breitbart News in a phone interview back in May that Donald Trump declassified whole sets of materials in anticipation of leaving government uh, that he thought the American public should have the right to read themselves. According to Patel, the classification markings just had not been updated. 
The White House counsel failed to generate the paperwork to change the classification markings, but that doesn't mean the information was not declassified. He said, quote, I was there with President Trump when he said, we are declassifying this information, which, by the way, presidents have unilateral control over doing, right? Patel served as the Pentagon chief of staff as well as principal deputy to the acting director of national intelligence. He's also a former National Security Council aide, a former top House Intelligence Committee staffer, and a former federal prosecutor and public defender. He said, quote, the story says the National Archives found the documents had classification markings on them, but that doesn't mean they were not declassified, right? They had the marks, but if Trump said declassify them and you never updated the paperwork, then it would still look like they're classified. All previously classified documents have the markings on them. It shows that they used to be classified. It's petty bureaucracy at its finest. Government simpletons not following a president's orders to have them marked declassified. The president has unilateral authority to declassify documents, really anything in government. He exercised it here in full, Patel explained. He then accused Democrats of playing politics by making the bogus claim that Trump took classified material and pointed out that they have not even addressed what is in the material. He said, quote, the irony is that he did not try to hide any of it. He declassified all of it, so there's nothing to hide. So here's the theory. Was the raid based on a false pretext and then approved by an anti-Trump magistrate judge? There's another theory. This from Andy McCarthy, former prosecutor, federal prosecutor. He says this is actually all about January 6th. He said the, uh, the FBI executed search warrants right at the home of former DOJ lawyer Jeffrey Clark, who colluded with then-President Trump in an ultimately abandoned plan to convince states falsely that the DOJ had uncovered real evidence of election fraud. Okay, They also executed search warrants for the cell phone of John Eastman, the constitutional law scholar, and putative architect of Trump's scheme to convince Pence to discount electoral votes. Okay, so they've already done those two things. The DOJ was using the pretext of investigating bureaucratic irregularities to conduct a search for evidence of capital riot-related crimes. Get that? So we're going to use the, the fight over what's declassified, what's classified, whatever. We're going to use that fight as a pretext to get stuff for J6 prosecution. The DOJ just issued grand jury subpoenas to a pair of Trump's White House lawyers, Patrick Philbin and Pat Cipollone. They did this for one reason and one reason alone. It's trying to make a case against Trump on Capitol riot-related crimes. That's the focus. And the same thing applies to the search. The Justice Department has for months has had in its hip pocket a probable crime, right? The mishandling of classified documents. They've had this for months. They knew it could be used as a justification for searching his estate. But in searching the estate, McCarthy says, I don't believe the FBI was looking for classified documents or other missing government records. 
not really. Just as in the searches of Clark and Eastman, the Bureau and the DOJ prosecutors were looking for evidence powerfully showing that the former president and his Confederates knew that their stolen election claims were false. That's what the DOJ needs, at a minimum, to indict Trump for crimes arising out of the January 6th uprising. Now, if that's the case, Garland, Merrick Garland, had better make it stick. Because he's trying, he's in, as McCarthy said, in a powder keg, in a powder keg, A.G. Garland is trying to turn up a smoking gun. Unless he can make a convincing, violent crime case against Trump, though, an indictment based on extravagant theories of fraud or mishandling of classified documents are going to blow up on the Justice Department. So there's another theory. We got a couple of them. Uh, let me go over here to Jimmy and get him on the air. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey there, Pete. Hey. Um, so I'm going to do this hypothetical. So yeah. if, let's say, Trump runs and he wins, and, you know, all the scandals and all that stuff is pretty much put to bed because it's already been proven, ain't you know, connection with Russia and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the January 6th thing looks like it's pretty much... You know, it, it it doesn't seem to have no legs. Well, we don't know that that because th- as Andy McCarthy just spelled, he, as he's making well, this pitch, it, this might be what they're angling for. Now, again, I don't know if if they there is something to prove there. If if it's not right, you, you know, if he wins, the first thing that's going to happen is he's going to ask the FBI. <laughs> he's going to what? He's going to act the FBI. He see this is. I don't know if he would. I really don't. I, I have no idea if he would or would not. This has always been my problem with Donald Trump is I never know if what he's saying right now is actually the thing that he's going to do or the thing he believes in or or what. It's just it's. I, I've I've never been able to take him literally. I've never been able to believe what he says because I'm not sure he says stuff. That he believes. I, I, I don't know. I, I think he just says oh. stuff that's, you know, that he has to say at that given moment. Or at least a super huge rearranging of the FBI. Right. See, and this is... You, 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 you figure that's got to come. I would. All I would. Longer. Yeah. I No, I would agree with you. I would think so. But I think part of his limitation, because he's not a politician, because he doesn't have experience, you know, in the federal government uh, leviathan, I think he doesn't know how to go about doing it. That's I, I think Jimmy Carter had this same sort of problem, was that he came in as a, quote, outsider, and you know, nobody owed him anything, and he didn't owe anybody else anything, and he came in as a governor, and so trying to figure out how all of the levers of power work and who pulls them, uh, he, he was always sort of behind the curve, and I think Trump suffered some of that same fate, you know? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I appreciate the call, Jimmy. Thanks, man. All right. All right, take it easy. Mm-hmm. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. That's John Fogarty. All right, let's go to the phone lines here. Let's get Drew on before the program ends. Hello, Drew. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, big guy. Hey. Not a bad afternoon. I have um, 
My theory, and when I first heard about this, is that the FBI, somehow they need to invent a reason to plant something that they can find on Trump. And I contend, and I thought I was out in left field at first until I heard Eric Bowling, I'm not sure, one night this week on Newsmax stated the same thing. He said, and he was, I think it was tongue-in-cheek, but I think he was serious. He said, well, if they don't find anything, they're going to plant something anyway. Surely, that is my firm belief. Nah, surely our intelligence community would never make up something just to damage Donald Trump. Oh, never in the life of this this man or the one I'm talking to on the radio. <laughs> That's just highly improbable. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing. Five years ago, I would have said that's highly improbable. What are you talking about? That's nuts that they would just plant evidence. That's crazy. But after witnessing the Steele dossier, witnessing the vast number of stories that got leaked out, but the, to me, the most damaging one was the uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story that they put out with all of the, you know, these, these quote, officials and experts in the intelligence community that said it's a Russian disinformation operation. And, and it was true. Here's what, here's what infuriates me even further. Biden, and I'll deviate for just a second. Biden has no real experience in real life. He's lived off the federal government 47 years or 45 plus. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the matter is he's so the whole Biden gang is so corrupt and they Biden's information, Hunter's stuff is sitting right there in front of them, yet they do nothing. Mm-hmm. They ignore it. Which is so, funny because uh, I remember there was uh, some discussion about Hunter Biden's because uh, he is under investigation, right? I think that's been uh, I think that's been confirmed now, like that the the FBI or the DOJ, they, they have an investigation into Biden, uh, Hunter Biden. And so, it, you know, it. Is this sort of the quid pro quo? Like, all right, now we get to go after Hunter. This gives us, you know, the the insulation that we're acting in a partisan way. Like, oh, no, no, look, we did this raid, and now we're, we're, we're going to go after Hunter Biden, too. I, I don't know. But I, I do think, I'm not sure I agree with you that Joe Biden doesn't have any real-world experience. I mean, have you heard the story about his running with Corn Pop? That's, that, that, that is some real-life experience. The, the kids, well, I'm talking about... At the I'll pool, agree with rubbing you, but his I'm legs. Talking about practical, you know, living living with the people. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're so above and so immune to how the, the common man really works. That's that why he sniffs their good. hair. That's why he's sniffing all of the hair. He's trying to get the full picture. He's trying to, you know, absorb all of the essence of the working people. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't even. All right, Drew, I, pre- I appreciate the call. That's uh, Yeah, that's, he's just getting in touch with the common folk. That's how he gets in touch with them, by touching them. Um, are you going to tell me that the kid's rubbing his leg hair at the pool? That's not real-world experience? Come on. That's as real as it gets, man. Did you see the pictures of Hunter? That That's what he's doing in that photo. Right? They're all... Okay. I've said too much. Over at Politico, Kyle Cheney, love this, love, love, love this. Take a listen. Quote, the Justice Department official who oversaw the investigation of Hillary Clinton's handling of classified records says there's simply no comparing the search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence to the case against the former Secretary of State. Okay, So this is the guy Politico went to, the guy who investigated Hillary and her handling of classified records, 
which was quite obviously and as detailed by the FBI illegal. She broke laws, the very same types of handling laws that are now at play with Trump. She broke those laws. And as I said earlier, the presence of the server, the existence of the server was the smoking gun. It's not the deletion of the emails. That's a symptom. It was the creation of and presence of the server, the control, because it gives you control. It means you can permanently wipe anything you want to wipe. You can have anything live on it. And there was virtually no security. And they said this stuff got compromised by foreign actors, right? Okay. So here's the guy, David Lofman, who led the Justice Department's counterintelligence section until 2018. He's now a law partner at the firm Wigan and Dana. He said, people sling these cases around to suit their political agenda, but every case has to stand on its own circumstances. For the department to pursue a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago tells me that the quantum and quality of the evidence they were reciting in a search warrant and affidavit that an FBI agent swore to that was likely so pulverizing in its force as to eviscerate any notion that the search warrant and this investigation is politically motivated. Oh, do you get that? So the FBI would not act politically. Hence, this isn't political. That's the argument. This is a circular logic right here, right? Oh, they would never behave politically. So therefore, this is not political. I don't know why you would suggest otherwise. A lot of people rushing and reaching analysis conclusions based on prior beliefs. I know, I know, probably just coincidental. (laughs) 